0: This crowd over here, they think they can make their own row, like breaking the rules, unbelievable, unbelievable, hey whatever, at least you're here, you know, Um, I am, uh, I'm glad that you guys are with us. Uh, I am going to uh, pray for us as we get started. Tonight's going to be a fun night uh, dealing with a really, really gospel-packed text uh, and praying that the Lord will deal uh, kindly with us and gracious with us as He always does. So let me pray for us and we will get rolling. Lord, we love You so much. What a blessing it is to be in Your house tonight, to be with Your family at Jersey. God, I pray uh, that tonight You would get me out of the way, help me to die here, uh, and may I live only in You as we deal with this text. May I do so honorably. May I stay tethered to Your Word, God. And tonight, would you deal in such a way with us that when we uh, lift our faces up, our eyes of our hearts would behold your glory, that we would see glory in the gospel, and that the glory in the gospel would woo us and pursue us and chase us towards you, Christ. We love you so much, and we want to love you more. Our confession is is that we cannot do that without your power in this place. So tonight, uh, I pray that you would illuminate power and glory and might and revelation Inside the hearts of every student, Christian and unchristian, may we see you, may we marvel at glory, may we love you more wholly than we do in the beginning of this time. It will all be for the glory of your name that we even pray such things. Amen. All right. This is part two of uh, Love Well. Uh, number one, how many of you are sick and tired of being cold? I am so sick and tired of being cold. She's like, Amen, brother. Preach it up and down. I am so sick of being cold. I'm so sick of going outside and freezing my tail feathers off. Uh, but last week we were so pumped, so jacked to share the word with you and to be here. Uh, and Brian Bagley uh, and the team got together. And because of wind chill and Decided that it would be better that we not meet. Uh, so, we were not able to be uh, last week. So, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what Love Well 1 was uh, so that we can uh, be on the same page as we go into Love Well 2. Uh, number one, the, the truth of the matter is, is that love, the idea of love, is so romanticized and so emotionalized in our world that when you say that word love, it can mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people. I even showed you a video. Do you remember that video? And they asked all these random people, they're like, what is love? And one guy's like, it's a feeling. And another guy's like, well, I think it's when you share an opinion and you kind of like each other. And he walked away holding his girlfriend's hand. I'm like, first of all, he may be a moron, but that girl continuing to date him, like, I don't know what that is, but counseling is in order. Uh, we, we looked at We looked at what these people had to say about love, and it was all over the board. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's an experience it's a shared opinion it's it's all these different things it's a dedica- it's a dedication it's a decision it's, it's all these things and it's something that we all want but we really need to spend some time getting on the same page as to what it even is that we're chasing that way we'll know when we have it we can chase it more fully and wholly so love well what we say one is that love. He is the consumption of love. He is love in and of himself. It's not that God has love. It's not that he does love. It's not that he uh, contains a little bit of love. The Bible literally says in 1 John that he is love. If you need a definition, it's that he alone is love. He has cornered the market in that department. He owns it. He is it. If you're looking for love, you have to find God. Now this is the truth. Anywhere else you go, for love to complete your soul you will be miserably disappointed you will find yourself more busted after it's all said and done than you were before and you will find empirical evidence that what you were chasing cannot supply what you actually need God is love if we for love we have to go to him we say we want people to love us we want to love other people you can't even do that Perfectly without his power. So, when we're looking at love and the idea, eventually, how we love people, how we care for people, how we show people the love of Christ, it first comes with understanding that God is love and in him only can we experience such things. And that's what we said during week one that he is love. He will always be love. He has always been love. He is love in this room. Now, if you come from certain stories or certain backgrounds or you're dealing with something in your life, you might say, If God is love, then why do these things happen, right? if God is love, then why am I struggling? If God is love, then why am I feeling pain? If God is love and powerful, why does he let these things occur in me? And I hope to help us answer that tonight. Uh, but I want to start by just sharing my story. Some of you guys know it, and I don't want to share it uh, often, but I want to go over a couple things with you as we get started. Uh, I was I was raised as a preacher's kid, a Southern Baptist preacher's kid in the middle of Amish country. Still dealing with those scars? Pray for me, all right? Uh, I I have, I've got massive amounts of Issues. We're like in math class by candlelight. No, I'm kidding. The Amish sometimes have lights in public schools. Uh, we we uh, we kind of grew up in a tiny little community. It's 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 literally that if you want more than Wendy's, you've got to drive 45 minutes and and Walmart. That's what we did for fun. So now you guys are like posting pictures on Instagram at Easton and all these things. What we did for fun in middle school and high school is a bunch of high schoolers would grab their cars, go down to Walmart, and set it all to the same radio station and roll down their windows and uh, throw rocks at Amish people when they drove by. I never did that! I never did that! But that's what some people did. It's like, you want some fun? Let's go cow tipping, right? Like that's just, that's what we did. Um, We we grew up in in a really, really small community and it wasn't very often that we got out and it wasn't very often that we went anywhere outside of Walmart. Uh, My mom made the majority of our meals and we stayed at home and we lived in a tiny town. We had TV, we had electric, we had a lot of fun. So keep your mouth shut if you want to be like what's up you know me? like we did uh but at the same time uh we 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 were in a small community grew up in a preacher's family um i i would i would almost say that, that i can't remember a day where i wasn't in church i can't remember a day when i wasn't growing up in the word when my family wasn't teaching me some of you have those stories some of you don't have those stories for me i i grew up in the church it was like my mom birthed me came out and the preacher like you know prayed for me immediately and away we go just run off with this game there were two cross ties in the front of our church when i was five years old uh, in the middle of july my grandpa and i walked between those cross ties i don't know four thousand times as he shared the gospel with me and told me the truth about christ i knew that i needed him i knew that i wanted him i repented of my sins i laid my life down i trusted in christ and i believed that that was the moment that the gospel took root in me and that is is the moment when I was saved and I was hyped as a five-year-old like some of you have those stories and you know that even as a five-year-old you can be hyped like man you don't even know what happened but you're like God is so good he saved me and you're in Bible school and you're like the preachers kid popping people with Bibles like you need this and and that that was me for a while uh, but as I started to grow up and as I started to uh, develop and uh, kind of grow up in my faith my dad was on the road he was gone quite a bit I started With a lot of anger inside of me and a lot of frustration, uh, got into some lust problems, got into some anger problems, got into some pride problems that really plagued me up until the time that I was 16 years old, grew up in this tiny little community. There are only 10 Hartleys. We don't know my mom's side, so this is the only influence I have. And my dad comes home from the road one day and says, Hey, we're going to move to Virginia. To date, one of the hardest things I've ever really had to deal with, uh, but it brought out a lot of the problems that I had. In me, we got to Lynchburg and a lot of anger, a lot of pain, a lot of struggle and a lot of lust, a lot of pride started coming out of me and it started to uh, create in me questions like, man, if I'm a Christian, why am I still struggling with this? Like, like if I believe, then why can't I own this? Am I even saved? Do I even believe this? Because I've been working a long time at trying to kind of get these things off my back and be better than this. And I'm trying to kind of work this out. And it just seems like every time I look, I'm messing it up again. Insufficient by the time I was I was traveling and preaching. And at the same time, I was dealing with enormous amounts of problems within me. And only the people close to me knew it. I don't even know that I can believe this. Man, if I... If I'm a Christian, why is this still in me? Why do I still struggle like I do? And I will never forget laying on my couch after a day of work. And a guy named Tom Friedis called me. He was my youth pastor at the time. Uh, He became my discipler. He's still one of my closest friends and mentors. Um, Calls me and he says, "I I I want to go to Applebee's with you. I remember where we were sitting in Applebee's. And he says, tell me what's going on. How are you doing? And I said, you know what? I feel really lousy. Uh, I'm teaching the Word three or four times a week. I'm dealing with massive hidden sins. I don't know how to beat them. Every time I try, I fail. I am overwhelmed with guilt. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm even in this. I don't know that I've even been saved. I, I, I can't tell you what's going on. I feel lousy. I feel worthless. I feel like a bum who can't quite get it right. And I will never forget what time said to me. He looked at me and he's like, Yeah. Yeah, you are. Like, what'd you just say? I'm like, man, I feel horrible. I suck so much. And Tom's like, yes, you do. And I'm like, Youth Pastor of America Award, right there. Give him the number one t shirt. Could not believe what he just said to me. Because normally, when people are dealing with something, right away, somebody swoops in and kind of no, you're awesome, you're not bad, you're great, like you're wonderful, you're cute, you're, you're so funny, and you're like the one cracking jokes at the lunch table and no one's laughing, if you even get a snicker, it's like a courtesy kind of thing, and you're like popping a joke, and you know that adult that swoops in, you're like you're so funny, you're wonderful my dad here's an example of it i played t-ball i was miserable at t-ball let alone someone throwing me the baseball and me actually making contact with it i couldn't even hit that big giant t-ball that they use off a stick i'm like all over top of it the only hope i had of that ball moving was hitting the stick itself and it falling to the ground but my parents were the ones that were like you're awesome keep going like you got it work hard you're you're great and i'm like Getting beat up all the time because I can't hit the darn T ball. I was almost expecting Tom to do that in my life. Like, man, I, I suck so much. Like, and I'm like expecting Tom, to be Awesome. You're great. And Tom was like, you really do suck. Like you really are terrible. Like, you re- you really are a hypocrite. You you really are lousy. And I'm like, man, Tom, you are so awesome. You just know how to make a guy feel great. I was eating a bacon cheeseburger, dropped my burger, almost thought about calling my mom. And then he said to me, now get your eyes off of yourself and you need to see God. You need to see what God's doing here. Get your eyes off of you. Pick your, pick your eyes up. See, see something more than yourselves. He took out his Bible and he read from that famous passage in Isaiah that says, Do you not know or have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he does not grow tired or weary, and his understandings no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases power to the weak. And he says, Get your eyes off of yourselves. You are weak you are incapable you will not master christianity within christ or outside of christ you will not own it in your own power I'm like i suck i can't get this and he's like you're right you can't you are never going to be enough to own this thing never going to be an a plus christian when you're trying to do it in your own ability in your own capability and in your own strength it's never coming for you That's what he said to me and that moment was the moment That the fight for joy became real and the weapon and the mindset would become getting my eyes off myself and being in christ honest with you and all my all my request to you is that you would be honest with yourself you don't even have to tell me to this day i struggle with massive amounts of insecurity massive amounts of pride massive amounts of difficulties I was in Nashville two days ago and it was 2.30 in the morning and I couldn't go to sleep and I was back in that place where I was having to preach the gospel to myself and look at Christ again and I'm sitting there thinking, man, why don't I have this? Like I've been in Christ for 16 years now. Why, why am I still laying here not able to sleep because I'm overridden by anxieties? Why can't I get it? And once again, God dealt graciously, led me to this passage and said, You are weak. Now get your eyes off of you and look at me because I'm strong, because I'm capable, because I'm doing something, because I'm working in the mess, because we will get this. We're going to get there. It's going to take some time. So tonight, I do not mean to offend you. And as I prayed, I want to hold true to, I am begging God to keep me tethered to the word. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say that we as people are awesome, we're so funny, and we're great, and, and this is, you know, this is just, this is all about us. I can't tell you that because I love you too much to lie to you. And the Bible deals way too honestly with us to miss it. So tonight, we want to look at how weak we are so that we can see how glorious and mighty and powerful and strong God is so that when we get to the point where we corporately worship we are worshiping the God that does everything in us and we don't end up worshiping ourselves is that fair enough can we do that tonight so you be honest with yourself as I have been honest with you and we will get rolling if you have your Bibles find Ephesians chapter 2 that's where we will spend our time I'm going to warn you the first three verses are not going to deal too kindly so if you're like you know you're wanting the Psalm 23 passage, I'm lying down in green pastures and the Lord is my shepherd. The first three verses, you're, you're not going to catch that. John Campbell, our worship leader, uh, was in the office the other day and we were chatting and he said, uh, he wrote for me a quote. I don't know, John, it was a couple months ago. Uh, he read for me a quote and he said, God is the only God that has the guts to tell you the truth about you. While the world and the world's religions tried to make you look better than you are, the God of truth comes in and tells you the truth about you. And even though it's unpleasant, it is needing to be heard. And when you hear it, when you see glory in Him and Him alone, amazing things happen. So we have to deal with this honestly. We're just going to get started. Uh, Ephesians 1 through 2 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, I have this in blue for a reason. If you take notes or write in your Bible, I would circle that. I would draw a little arrow above it, and I would write your own name because it says you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Now, this is the deal. We all the time want to make ourselves look better than we are by looking at someone who we think is worse than we are. Like yeah sure I'm a prideful, uh, lustful bum, but I'm preaching every weekend. And that guy, he's like, he's getting wasted every night. Like that guy, he's he is smoking marijuana and he's sleeping around. He's doing all these things he shouldn't be doing. But me, like, at least my sins are private. Like no, I'm not messing with anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. We so quickly want to make this verse talk to everyone but ourselves. I've never killed anybody. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not. I'm not lying. I only curse when I get really mad. Like, bravo, dude. I only cuss a couple times a week. Or like, I'm making up Christian cuss words, like dingbat or whatever. <laughs> All these things that we say, like it makes us so much better. No, okay. <laughs> We're pathetic. When it says you, it's not kidding. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, not someone else's sins. And when you look at this, you will shame yourself, you will embarrass yourself, and you will walk out of here thinking what is not true if you think that this applies to everyone but yourself. God comes into the mess that is your life, and he tells you the truth. Everything else in the world wants to say that we're more than we are. You're awesome, you're great, you're, you're capable, you're mighty, you're strong, go get the world, you can do anything you want to do, go get it, and, and you're so great and awesome and A-plus stickers all over the place. That's why, and if I'm going to, well, I don't even care. If, if you're like running track, you like come in last place, that was me too because I'm kind of slow, that's why I play golf, <laughs> running track, come in last place and they're giving me a trophy. My dad's like, throw that away, you didn't earn it. But our world, everybody gets a trophy, because everybody's a winner, because everybody's great and everybody's wonderful, and everybody's just so intrinsically amazing. And the Bible comes within the facade and says to you, "Look right at me. You are dead in your trespasses and your sins. You are a part. Of a worldwide global rebellion. Holy Spirit, what's up? You are a part of a global, worldwide rebellion against the God of the universe that is supplying the oxygen that courses over your lungs, the blood that throws. In your veins, the rhythm that your heart is experiencing all the while, God provides for you. And we, every single one of us, in the beginning, we are dead in our trespasses. We take the life that God grants us. You didn't do that. God gives that to you. You Take that and you run away with that. And in your rebellion, you sin against Him. You give the things that He gives you, you take those things and you abuse them. You seek to make other people your own possession. Or you try to play other people for your own gain. The Bible comes within the mess. And instead of saying, man, you're so great. So holy. Just got a couple rough spots. Let me just make it a little better. Instead of that. God says, you are dead in your trespasses and your sins. You have all fallen short of the glory of God for this is death now if you're sitting there again let me plead with you do not think of yourself more highly than you should because we all fall into this category no one is among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, we're not dealing too kindly right now. The, the text isn't saying, man, you're, you're like a really great person, you got a couple rough spots, and if we could just kinda fix these up with the God, be complete. You were by nature children of wrath. And we have done this over and over and over again, and we're not gonna stop doing it. No one had to teach you how to sin. Not a single one of you came out and you were like this perfect infant that mom and dad sent to sin school. You came back with a degree in sinning. No one, no one taught you how to lie. No one taught you how to be prideful. No one taught you how to be self-centered. No one taught you how to be lustful. No one taught you how to abuse people. No one taught you how to be a bully. You did those things by yourself. Moms and dads in the room grew your children up in Christian homes you do everything in your power to impart to your children the love of God and at two or three years old you find out that they are devils on wheels doing terrible things awful things and all the while completely focused on themselves even children evidence their own depravity Even children can't get their minds off themselves. That's why you've got annoying little rugrats running through public stores, screaming their heads off and beating their heads against the concrete because they're not getting the toy that they want. Or screaming, saying, me, look at me, I want you to look at me. Wow, wow, wow. Like kids who do that just want to punt them into next week. I can't stand, can't stand that. But you and I did that too. Because at a young age, you evidenced depravity. Even at a young age, instead of living for the glory of God, something greater than yourselves, you take the life that he gives you and you seek to make it about you. Every one of us. Every one of us born by nature children of wrath because of the sins of the one Adam, the one man that cursed the world. And since then we have all willingly taken part in this rebellion. Willingly. No one made you do it. No one forced you. No one pushed you. No one taught you. You did it all on your own. So everybody, try to find a pulse. Can you do that? Try to find your pulse. I I, I never find mine. Maybe I'm not alive. I don't know. If you can't find one, like, and you're really concerned, we'll get an adult over right away you feel that you feel that beat that's your heart and your heart has rhythm and God is supplying it to you Like, look, look right at me God is supplying that to you And he supplied that to you before you came to Christ. And if you are not in Christ right now, even if you sit here and you mock what our Bible has to say, if you hate him but you're only here because a friend made you, even in your own rebellion, God is unbelievably good to you in allowing your heart to continue beating. Like, the Bible says that he holds it all together, that without him, if even for a second, he were to stop being faithful to the ones that he loves, we would not just be destroyed. We would cease to exist instantly. We are completely dependent on this God and at our instead of living for him. Instead of living in the life that he provides, instead of loving him and chasing him and marveling at him, we, every single one of us, take his life and we seek to use it against him as if we are better gods than him, taking gifts around us, taking them out of the confines that God has given us, abusing them to the point that it can truly be said we are rebels and criminals against this God. All of us. All of us. We've lied, we have cheated, we have abused people, and don't you dare do what I have done so many times and look left and look right and look down the rows and think, ah, well, at least I'm better than some people. I'm just struggling with what I see on my computer screen. That guy's sleeping with his girlfriend. Or, or uh, that, that guy, man, that, that guy's so rude to his mom. I only snap back a couple times. Look here. Apart from Christ you are dead and your trespasses and sins and by nature you are children of wrath deserving recipients of judgment how we doing feeling good shake it off sweating these next two words are possibly the most significant profound and powerful words in all the Bible if you're sitting here you're like man last time I come to ground zero this guy's vicious I don't hate you and I'm not angry with you but I love you too much to lie to you and you will only see truth if you experience it within if you get over yourself and you're willing to look at the truth that he has for you two words so powerful look here but God you see that You see that? He says, you are dead in your trespasses. You are so rebellious. You've taken life and you've run away from Him. You've sought to abuse what He's given you. You seek to make your own kingdom because you're your own God. I want to do it my way and I want to have it the way I want it. And I want to sin and I think this is going to be fun so I'm going to do it. Even though I know that God doesn't want me to. and Even though I know that it's against God's way and against His nature. And the Bible says that you being dead in your sins god but god you are this way but god it's not an ended story it's not over there but god steps into the fray being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us man there are so many powerful words there look, look i've heard my mom and dad say over and over and over again well We're comfortable financially. Have you ever heard that one? We're comfortable, or we're paycheck to paycheck. We're making it right. We're 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 wealthy, but we're you know we we still need to be careful. We're we're the Bible says, He is rich in His mercy. You're over here and you're taking life that He's given you and you're taking the good gifts that He's given you and you're abusing His common grace and you're ignoring the truth of the gospel. And even in your own wickedness, the Bible says, but God steps into the fray and He is rich in mercy and He so loves you. Like that's amazing. And look here, it's not because of you, it's not because of anything you've done, it's not because you're just so good. God doesn't love you because you're better than anybody. God loves you in spite of the fact that you are wicked in your ways. Because of this rich and great love on which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look here. Grace that means you couldn't earn it all the time we're in relationships and this is what we do I want to be in a relationship as long as you can give me something right we do this we do this I want to I want to be in close proximity with another individual as long as both parties can give each other what they don't already have there is nothing you have that God needs There is nothing you can do that he can't. There is nothing you can offer him that he doesn't already have. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is on his own completely sufficient in and of himself. That means this. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you. It's not like God is looking at us and he's like, man, this cat... Got some rough edges, but he prays like 23 minutes a day. Like, that's pretty legit. Holy Spirit, look at this. That before? That's amazing. We need to save him. There is nothing that you can offer him that he doesn't already have. And let's be straight I'm a hot mess. Can I, can I be straight with you? I mess up almost everything I touch. And I'm not ashamed to tell that to you. I mess it up over and over and over again. If there is, listen to me, anything that I have that God needs to complete him, then he is not worthy of worship because he's weak in depending on me who is so messy. that's big. But if God in heaven, if he is in need of rebels to complete him, that means he's not in and of himself enough if he's not enough for himself how could he ever be enough for us he is rich in mercy and you are poor in your rebellion but god steps into the fray and he loves he so so loves he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Can you think of anything more wonderful than that? You don't deserve it. And neither do I. We're going to face the God of heaven one day and on our own power. All we will have to say for the lives that we lived is rebellion. But in Christ He has dealt kindly with us. So, let's be straight. God is just, and He doesn't spare punishment. Meaning, you and I, apart from Christ, we stand guilty, and we must pay. Look right at me. We must pay. Meaning, you are getting ready to reap the condemnation that you have earned in your rebellion. And in Christ Jesus, this is the beauty of the gospel. He sweeps in, not because he has to, but because he wants to. And he takes the wrath away. He takes all the condemnation that we deserve. He drinks it and he drinks dwells in it and he becomes it and he purges it to the point that he is able to cry out on his cross that it is finished he slams the cup down having paid the price in full and he breathes his last and then three days later in a tomb that is made for him he raises in victory having defeated the wrath that was coming at you It's almost as if in your rebellion you stand before a dam 10,000 miles high and 10,000 miles wide and it's coming for you and you know that at any second the dam will be pulled down and the water will come rushing forth and in an instant Christ comes and he sweeps you out of the way only to stand there and take your place and to earn from you what you rightfully deserve. It's as if it's as if god looked at you knowing that you deserved wrath and said christ you will take it for them so when christ bleeds he sits on the cross when he's beaten and mocked and abused by the world that he holds together while his blood hits the ground he bleeds for you because you're guilty because it should have been you Because it should have been me. But God stepped in. But God took your place. But God did what you couldn't do. You were guilty and you deserved to die there. And so do I. And at first you're like, man, I am not that bad. Why is this guy screaming? Never robbed no bank. Never killed nobody. To break God's law is to bring death upon yourself. It is to make yourselves guilty. And in light of Christ's perfection, in light of his standard, his holiness, you do not measure up. Christ takes it from you so that, (laughs) this is crazy, so that. When God looks at you, he sees his son who was obedient. And when he sees Jesus in your lives, he smiles because he knows that you are his in Christ. That's the beauty of it. That when God sees you, he sees Christ. When God sees you, he sees the perfection, the righteousness, and the holiness of Christ. Not your own. But Christ, who is perfect. And that is why he deals kindly with us. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Look here. If you're sitting here and you're like, I'm so struggling, I just feel like I don't measure up, I suck. Pretty much true, That's pretty much true, but God so loves you, He so loves you, He so loves you that being rich in mercy. He said to his son, do whatever is necessary to rescue them. Bleed on their behalf. He so loves you. If he did not spare his own son on our behalf. In spite of you, you are adored. In spite of you, you are delighted in. In spite of you, the God of heaven has reached out his hand to save the band you guys can come on this is the gospel this is the gospel this is the cross-based blood-bought gospel and there are a couple significant points that we have to take from it number one if you are not in Christ right now, meaning if you have never laid down sin, turned and put your faith in Christ believing that He's the Son of God who took it all for you on a cross and that three days later He rose again, if you are not in Christ, then Ephesians 1 through 3, or 2 through 3, sorry, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that is as far as you go. Right now, that's as far as you go. If you are not in Christ, you don't get this right now. This is is it. You are right now a child of wrath. Now, this is still true. But it will only come through confession and belief. Listen to me. He loves you. And he bled for you. And he will save. I messed it up so bad. Yeah, you did. You really did. I'm so weak. Yes, you are. You are really weak. And that is the best news in the universe. Because it means that what we have in Christ doesn't depend on our goodness. It depends on Christ's perfection and His willingness to pay it all on His own cross. Say, man, I'm such hypocritical. You are hypocritical. I don't measure up. You don't measure up, but Christ does. And Christ is enough. Which is why we worship Him. It's why we do not have the right to worship ourselves. If you're not in Him, He has so provided for you. And The Bible says that for the one who repents and trusts that God is faithful and just to forgive and to adopt, to make His own so that Christ will forever be yours. Now, when you guys were little, think about this. When you guys were little, how old, how old until kids start to walk, Julie? One year? All right, so this is probably what happened with you. You're like this chubby, little big-headed toddler. You're in the living room, and you're bouncing up and down. You got your hands on something. You're just fat, roly-poly fat. you're bouncing up and down, if you're offended right now, like get over it, <laughs> it's called baby fat dude, you burned it off, you're bouncing up and down and mom and dad are freaking out because you're about to walk, you're going to put a couple feet in front of each other, you're going to make momentum forward, you're bouncing up and down, you, you start to lean forward and gravity kind of, you kind of have a decision at this point. Either I put a foot in front of the other, or I die right here. You're right here? And you put a couple feet in front of each other, and then what do you do at one year old? What do you do? You fall. You fall. I heard somebody give this illustration. It was so good. I don't know a dad that looks at the son or the daughter in that moment and is like, gosh, what an idiot. It's one year old. He's got a moron. I I don't know. What do they do instead? Woo! He's walking. Get it on video. Put it on YouTube. A thousand hits immediately. My kid walks. My kid walks. Look here. If you are in Christ but struggling, you're putting a couple feet in front of the other, fall down. In Christ, the Father looks at you and says, That was awesome. You walked right there. You took three or four steps. That's amazing. Now get back up. The kid could sit there and he could look at the ground. He'd be like, man, I'm so bad. I can't get it. Or he could look up and see the compelling love of the father and the drawing love of the eyes of that father would draw him into standing up once again, putting feet in front of the other and making forward progress towards the one that beckons to them. And the kid learns to walk and then he runs and he still falls down. He still gets tired and he still has a hard time But our Father continues to look and says, get your eyes up off the ground, son, and look at me. Look at me. Get your eyes off of yourself and look at me. And God says, in the power of my son, walk forward. And we do. And we do. So this is what we want to do. Close your eyes. If you don't know Christ, and you have never come to know Christ, and convicted by the Holy Spirit, guilty before Him, you know that you need Him. You just know that you need Him. Would you do me a favor? If that's you, would you just like look up No, know you need Christ? You need Christ. Look up at me. Look up at me. Not everybody. If that's you, look at me. Right here. When we get done, and we start to worship, can you come find me in the back with other leaders? I would love to get to pray for you. Christ is faithful and just to save. And he'll save tonight if you'd put your faith in him. Can we do that? Look right at me. Can we do that? You promised me. Don't let fear get you. Come talk to us, alright? No one will call out. Chad's back down and we'll see you in a bit, alright? Now if you are in Christ, but you are struggling, you feel hypocritical, you feel lousy, you're still struggling, there's a sin problem and you don't know how to get over it. Would you look up at me? Alright. Now do something. Do something brave and I'll do it with you would you stand up just stand up right where you are if you know that's you just stand up. all right now I want you to put your arm or your hand around the partner sitting next to you and we're gonna pray and this is what we're gonna pray we pray God help us see you i don't want to look at myself i don't want to look at me i don't want to look at i don't want to look at how mad i am i want to look at you god and may your glory bring me towards you in the middle of this sin christian but struggling having difficulty struggling but in christ we want to pray that eyes off of ourselves and we will look at Jesus because his compelling eyes draw us forward that we would walk that we would run that we would live in him so let me pray father in this place tonight for all and honest and say we love you God but there are things that we are dealing with and our hearts want to go in other places and we don't know how to fight Lord would you help us see you with the eyes of our hearts behold glory in the gospel of Christ may it compel us towards you may we love you Christ may our eyes see you and may we follow you may we stand out of the ashes the muck and the mire may we walk forward knowing that you alone supply our every need for every student in this room that stands before you i pray that you would empower them for a great and mighty work that in this place you would deal kindly with them That you would be gracious to their spirit. That you would overwhelm them with your glory. They would see you in this place. And that it would be a life-changing experience. In your holy and precious name we plead these things. Amen.